From our headquarters in New York City, this is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. I hope you'll join me. As any High Point Market attendee knows, having a convenient spot to relax and recharge is key. At next month's market, Universal will unveil its To the Trade Designer Lounge, featuring Krypton, Morin Giles, and Design Manager. In addition to beverage and beauty bars, the lounge will include designer-only access to Wi-Fi workstations and private meeting spaces. Star it on your High Point map. Universal is located at 101 South Hamilton Street, and they can't wait to see you at Spring Market. And now, on with the show. My guest this week is Catherine Connolly, CEO of Merida. Catherine, welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here. I'm so glad to finally have you here. I've been wanting to talk to you for some time. Tell us what Merida is for those who might not be familiar with your with your brand and your product. Sure. Merida is an American textile design company and we're based in Fall River, Massachusetts. And we make rugs from scratch with all natural ingredients, as we like to say. Okay. So tell me what that means, all natural ingredients. It means our focus is on materials and the okay. integrity of materials. So they're all natural from rapidly replenishable materials. So plants, animal fibers like wool, plant fibers like sisal, abaca, Got jute, it. et cetera. Okay. And, and so, that's a, so that's a big focus for the, for the company. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's part of the, part of the core of what the, absolutely. the company is about. Absolutely. Okay. So... Tell me how you came to, to be at, at Merida. You, you, you bought the company not, not too long ago, but you were working at the company for some time before that, yes? Yes, absolutely. I came actually as a favor to a friend. Hiram Samuel and I were in a CEO group, uh, and I came from the tech world okay. and had left uh, the market research company that I had been running to look for a company to buy. He was leaving Merida to get his PhD and said, would you help me? I said, I don't know anything about textiles, but I'd be happy to help you for a few months. And then I fell in love with the company and came on as the CEO for almost six years and then ended up buying it four years ago. Okay. Tell me when you first came on board at the at the company. What? 2007. 2007. That's right. My okay. timing was yes. absolutely brilliant. Yes. I knew I knew there was very significant timing <laughs> yes. around that. Right. Okay. So you show up at 2007. He's going off to get his, his PhD and, yes. and to his credit, he ultimately completed that, yes. right? And yes. he's kind of a big brain, it, it yes. seemed like when I dug into him a little bit. He yes. Seems, he's amazing. Yes. A wonderful person, uh, ran a great company right. and um, was ready for a different challenge. Okay. So he went off to school. He went off to school, convinced you to, to come on board as the as the CEO? Yes. And I came and it was great to have outside eyes. Right. Said, oh, this is a company that's done terrifically well. Um, but now as uh, knockoff Sisal is coming out of China, we need to restructure the company. So thankfully, we restructured right. the company. Actually, we, we halved the company. But one of the many things that I love about Hiram is he's incredibly generous. And so we said, let's make sure we take care of all the people. That's another one of our big values is respect and care for people everywhere. Right. So right. we were like, okay, let's make sure we do this well, make sure everybody gets jobs, that they're well compensated. Okay, so so let me back up on that for, for a moment. So you came on board in 2007, and it wasn't long before the, the company really needed to, to downsize. Right. Yes? So, right. so part of it was, as you say, the overseas competition, and then part of it, I assume, was the... It was mostly that we had ramp- the company had ramped up 
prior to there being competition out of China. Okay. And it had done really well, the company, and was still doing well. But as a new person coming in, I was like, you know what? Right. This We have way more people here than we need. Okay. And so, so we, should, overstaffed. we should okay. re- restructure in half again. So this is a lot of people. Right. Okay. And we had, you know, plenty so of So you must capital. have been very popular when you showed up and Well, let me just tell I'm you, that's one of, the, one of the many great things about Merida is okay. the people. So we ca- I came in and I said, we have to restructure. So we had, they call, we called it, I can't remember what day of the week it was, Black Tuesday. <laughs> um, but we met with every single person, but we were very careful to really do a good job. Like our lawyer said, you don't need to offer people this much. And so we said, yes, we do. Okay. We want okay. to make sure that people are well taken care of. And we had outplacement services. We wanted people to right. be able to find jobs. Okay. And they all did. And then six months later, the market crashed. Got it. Okay. So you were you were downsizing well before the financial yes. crisis even came along. Yes. This was just a, a notion that you had about the company being oversized when yes. you got there. And so you went through this process of literally cutting the company in half. And then the financial crisis come. And now truly, what? we would have been out of business because 40% of our, uh, so at the time, Merida sold through uh, carpet dealers and showrooms. We had 6,000 doors, as they said. Right, okay. But a lot of them were very small companies that sell, you know, in their communities. And so 40% of them literally went out of business overnight. These retailers that yes, you were selling? Yes, out of business. Out of business, overnight. So, so 40% of our revenues went away. Sure, so again, if we had had all 100 people, yeah. we would have, yeah. even having let go of half the people, the crash happens. And I'm like, you know what? We still, you know, we don't have enough revenue coming in for our cost structure. Right. But one of my big things is transparency. So we met as a company and I said, here's the deal. We're in, you know, we're not out of the water. So we have two choices. Either we can lay off more people right. um, or we can close early on Fridays Across the board, everyone, uh, including me, take a 20% pay cut. And if we are whole at the end of the year, I'll repay everybody. Wow. Unanimously, okay. everybody, like without even thinking about it, said, we'll, clo- we'll take the pay cut. We'll take the pay cut rather than laying more people off. Yep. And, and again, these are craftspeople. A lot of us sure. live pay, paycheck to paycheck, unanimous. So we closed on Fridays for okay. six months. To sort of cut hours. Yeah. Okay. And everybody, everybody took a 20% pay cut. And at the end of the year, we made everyone whole. We had plenty of cash. We came through it okay. And, and you wrote it out. Yeah. But the other thing is there was not one complaint. There was no grumbling. There was no, I can't right. believe this is happening. Right. Okay. People worked hard. They worked together. It was incredible. So what had created that culture? What, what, had, what had built that kind of foundation that the, that the group was that tightly knit? I think I think there's a couple of things. Um, I think Hiram had a lot to do with it. I right. think the culture was there, the spirit mm-hmm. was there. He's um, as I one of the things I loved about him is I like to say when the doors closed and nobody knows what decisions you're making, do you make good ones? Right. And so we were in the CEO group, and he was always always making good decisions. So people would be advising him, well, you don't need to do that for people, and mm-hmm. this is over okay. the top. Okay. And he was always like, you know what? I think it's the right thing to do. So I think that makes okay. a big difference. So he so he knew to take care of his people, and he and he also, if if I remember, he he was also very good about sort of keeping reserves of of capital. Yes, yes. yes. So the ca- the company had no debt, right? Uh, then or now. Okay. Uh, so, so that's still the case. Yes. So that okay. you know, it's kind of in the ethos, I guess. Got it. Um, okay. So I came. I came from the technology world. I came from 
you know, lots of very bright people right. changing <laughs> the world. And I came to Merida and you had craftspeople and you had salespeople and you had marketing people. And this commitment, this loyalty, this passion, mm. I had never experienced anything like it. And I thought, this is amazing. Yeah. This yeah. is amazing. And certainly now, I always tell people, the people at Merida were special then, past, present, and I'm sure future. Right. At this point, I think it's also a little bit of self-selection. So we end up getting people who care about sustainability, mm -hmm. who care about the earth, who care about making an impact. We, you know, we're very countercultural in the direction we're trying to take the company, and so right. Okay, so all those traits uh, tend to be evident in people that have yes. short. So now I, yeah. you know, people come, and it creates a different kind of community within the company. So it's great. But I have to say, I it's one of the most amazing aspects of Merida. Not everybody gets to experience because you're not always working with the factory. No, sure. Directly. Yeah, but, yeah. No, uh, and that's a very different anyway. experience. So, so you ride through the financial crisis, and at the time, you're still selling retail, yes. right? Because, yes. Right? Yes. So, so the, next, the next big change to, to come to the company is when, when do you get the notion in, in your head that really you should be pursuing a different model? That is a great question. <laughs> um, the first time I got the notion was actually when one of my advisors said to me, well, don't let a good recession go to waste. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what does that mean? I'm like, I'm pulling my hair yes. out. I'm stressed out to the yes. max. But the things that we cared about, starting with materials mm. and then people, it's just impossible, impossible to compete against China or really this culture, which you'll hear me talk about over and over, faster, cheaper, disposable. Right. And part of me said, wait a minute, if we care so much about all these things, why don't we invest in more manufacturing in Fall River? Because mm. we were, at the time, mostly importing okay. amazing product from Belgium, which we still do, and finished. Right. Right. And we had a little bit of weaving on our own, but it was really more of a hobby okay. than a huge part of the business. Right. So we just started to invest. We're like, we'll invest pennies on the dollar to start buying looms, to uh, invest in designers. We started with a collection that was just white we had like four white wool rugs. Yes. And I remember our board was like, uh, that's uh, not going to do very well. Yeah. We did great. People said, you know what? Nobody's doing this. It was yeah. enough yeah. to say, okay, I'm going to keep investing. Literally pennies on the dollar. And it, it, it started to take off. And then the challenge really became, though, for these retailers. Now they, we were selling to them wholesale, and then they were doubling that price. Mm. And when you're manufacturing in Fall River, that's tough. Yeah. And they were increasingly telling me, you know, Catherine, that's a nice story, but our clients don't really care. You know, they don't care. They, they that you're see, doing it all yourself in Fall yeah, River, Massachusetts. They, yeah. they, they just look and say, well, why is this twice as expensive as something sure. that looks like it? And sure. So no matter how much I kept trying to say, well, just talk to people about mm -hmm. it. You know, and I understand the retailers were, they're trying to run their businesses. Right. So I completely understood. But at one point I was like, this is just untenable. Like where, when you're private labeled, when mm. you have a story to tell, right. but you're private, private labeled, labeled and you don't get the chance to tell your story, yeah. you're in a tough spot. So we started actually in New York. We were like, well, we have the best relationships with the few designers here. So we just started to talk to them and say, what would you think mm. if, if we started to sell direct? And I met Meg Tauberg. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, by, a, um, by happenstance. She had an, a rug emergency with the Rose Tarlow <laughs> showroom, which uh, we were able to okay. help her. Got it. And then she said, well, you should think about sponsoring this event that we do with mm. designers. Okay. 
And so I was like, sure, sounds great. Of course, Hiram was like, what? You have to be crazy. You know, this is a lot of money when you're saving pennies. But at least that way we started to meet some designers and have a chance to tell our story directly. Right. Okay, so, so you did ultimately participate in one of the design yes. conferences. and Okay. So that kind of got our foot in the door. And then we just started to to go. And so we got enough. I say now looking back, I'm like, that was that was bold. We had enough of a foot that we, we decided, though, we were going to need to close. It was like we were um, trying to steal second base with our foot on first. <laughs> Retailers were getting upset because they felt like we were going behind their back You're right. directly to designers. Sure. And at the end of 2013, I was like, we just got to pull the plug. Well, and did you actually even have sort of contractual obligations where you couldn't sell we within did certain areas? You did not. Okay. So that no. wasn't the challenge. It was just more it was that more it was relationship. ruffling together. This was you sort of saying, we're, we're, we're thinking of pursuing a different model, perhaps. And, right. And, right. And, and have some direct communications with designers and maybe pursue right. selling directly to them. Well, actually, the way it really started was the the retailers kept telling me they don't care. And I was like, well, let me go talk to them. Okay. And oh, they don't care about your story that you yeah. were trying to tell. About and so I was like, well, let me uh, talk to them and I'll mm-hmm. still sell through you. Right. But let me, And that's okay. how it started. Got it. As I would go out and then I'd be like, okay, then go down the street to whoever, whoever. But then they would go down the street. And a great story, my parents live in Washington, D.C., I sent my parents to New York to one of our best... Um, <laughs> to go and market for you? No, 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 no. I, they said, <laughs> uh, we want to buy a rug. I was okay. like, buy, why don't you go through New York Got it. Okay. to our best showroom. Right. I told the showroom they were coming. Yeah. They sold them a knockoff. I get to their house in Washington, D.C. like a month later. I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't our rug. Really? And that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me because I'm like... <laughs> These are my Got parents. It. These are your parents, and they had sold them a substitute rug. Yes, Got and it. I had sent them and told everybody. I'm like, yes. I'm, I'm dra- directing traffic to you, my parents. Right. You know, and then I come, and they had um, built-in shelves put in. So I still have to go look at that rug every time I go down there. <laughs> so, so that was the. That's when I was. I was like, you know what? So that's this, when you'd had enough, right? I was like, this okay. is this is untenable, right? So the okay. end of December, I commenced our board of directors. Uh, and December, Hiram, so what year is this? So this December is, um, of 2013. Okay, 2013. I was like, we're going to close 80% of our retailers. We had, a, we had a handful of them that we had fantastic relationships with. And so we were like, we're going to keep those. We're going to keep those. And we're closing 80% of, 80% the, of the retailers. 80%, imagine. And they thought you were out of your mind, right? Well, and um, uh, not happy. <laughs> and not happy One about them, the prospects for the I company. Got, my favorite letter was, the fish stinks from the head, and that's you. And this was one of the board members? No, no, this was the one of the oh, retailers. Oh, this was one of the retailers, yes, right. Yes. We knew we would shrink. Right. So we, you know, we projected to shrink. And we didn't actually end up shrinking as much as we thought. So... Walk me through it. You, you, so you were going to scale back 80% of your retailers. Yep. And what was going to replace that volume? Is selling directly to selling designers. directly to designers. Right. Th- through what sort of a channel? How were you going to sell directly Sales to people them? knocking people on the door. People knocking on the door and imagine? making presentations. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes. Which I, I can't even begin to tell you. You know, it's like one thing. You peel the onion back and you're like, oh, now we need tools for right. if designers sure. are going to work with us. So yeah. we had to design and develop tools. And then, then we realized, wait a minute. We need to, to get to know the installers better because now we've got to be working more directly with sure, them. Sure, they turn out to be influencers right. in the whole process. So, yeah. you know, and so one step led to another, to right. another, more complicated projects. And, and did you have an outside sales team at the time? or was We it- did have an outside sales okay. team. That was, and actually, I'd made that decision right when I got there to move from outside reps, people right. who rep multi-lines, sure. to mm-hmm. Merida employees. Got it. So that okay. was helpful, actually. Right. But you had, had your own people yes. versus the multi-line. Yes. Right. Okay. So thankfully, that was already that 
that work place. within place. Yes. So you could just flip a switch and tell them now they're just going to go call on designers right. rather than, okay. But you can imagine for them it was so different. Of course. The sales team, because all of a sudden they were used to going to retailers and now they're going to designers. It's a, you know, it's just a, a, a more of an explanation starting out than it used to be. And and for designers, you'd be coming in at a price point that would that would be appealing to them? Yes. Because, okay. again, if you think of, um, to just oversimplify it, there's machine woven and then there's hand woven. Mm-hmm. Hand woven being very expensive and long, long lead long times. Long lead time, right. And you wanted to be able to offer shorter lead time. And, and in between. And in between. We were able to do that. Right. So we were like, wait a minute, maybe there's an opportunity here. We knew you couldn't do, you can't do hand, you, you can you really can't effectively do hand weaving in America, not when you're paying health insurance right. and the wages right. that we have here, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. That's why it's all in India, Guatemala. Mm-hmm. But what we were like, what if we could combine hand and machine and start to do some really amazing things? Hmm. Maybe yeah. we could do something. So that was the beginning. That was the okay. kernel. And okay. then we've just kind of continued to go from there. And so you sort of went on this great big sort of focus group mission, right? (laughs) Meeting with with literally hundreds of designers to to sort of talk about all of this. So so tell me about that process. I set out 300 designers, and I wrote a letter at the beginning of the year, and I said, you know, this is Merida, this is what we do, and I would personally love to meet with all of you at some point this year for a coffee, dinner, drink, whatever. And I did. I used the conferences, so just okay. so people don't sure. think I was on the road right. for 352 days. But um, but you set out to meet with 300 designers. And I did. And you did, whether it was through the DLN right. or the leadership of design right. or whatever. And you called on a lot of people in their offices and took some people out to dinner and lunches, right. it sounds like, right? Right. And what I was looking for is, A, is there any white space here? Is there actually an opportunity for what we're trying to do? Right. And what I found is, yeah, absolutely. Okay. There's a lot of same, same, same everywhere mm-hmm. so people are looking for something different so that was great the second thing i was looking for is how do they run their business so i'm a, a business person a consultant um, by training so i was like where do you have what's troubling you what's yeah. hard and i learned all kinds of things i learned it's really hard to run a business when you're a creative genius so what parts are hard well there's a lot of risk there's a lot of risk particularly in rugs if something's sized in, in a, incorrectly if something goes wrong mm-hmm. who absorbs it right and the designers can't absorb a hundred thousand uh, dollar stair runner that went incorrectly so sure. I'm like, well we could take some of that risk on right we could collaborate with designers and offload some of that risk then I then they talk a lot about well non-billable hours so mm-hmm. sourcing and Look, shopping, et cetera. I'm like, wait a minute, we could help with non-billable hours. You know, so we could take more and more of the, how do I think about this? How do I think through color? We could come up with suggestions. We could do strike-offs. So we, I started to see openings. So you could become more of a collaborator right. with them. Right. And that would, and that would help them along in the, in the process. Right. Okay. And, and what I kept saying is it has to be real value. It can't just be, we can help. I'm like, how can I literally help them win back some non-billable hours? Mm-hmm. Because that's money for them and, their sure. pro- and for their clients, too. Because yeah. that's my other thing is coming from the outside. This industry is so inefficient and fragmented. Mm. Do you think? Well, it's a multi-billion dollar industry right. made up of hundreds of thousands of little players, yes, including Merida. Yeah. But what other industry has so many little players and no really big players? 
So I thought, and the great thing about that is there's tons of creativity, mm -hmm. but the bad thing is there's a load of inefficiency yeah. that ultimately the clients pay for. So my view was, okay, not just Merida, but how could vendors start to take some of that inefficiency off the table? So that, you know, people are spending money on what they should, which is amazing product and the, mm -hmm. the amazing talent of the designers. And the other thing that I learned, just going back to that point, though, is everyone was so afraid of the Internet. Mm. Everyone was like, this is terrible. This the designers terrible. that yes. you were speaking to. And I was like, so what were they saying specifically about that? Well, I think the first thing they were saying is it's completely disrupting our industry. Right. 100%. Sure. And I was like, yep. No question. Yes. So this is the world I came from. So right. I'm like, and it's going to actually get way worse. So I was like the Grim Reaper. I was like, but it's really fantastic. It's the most fantastic thing. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, but we'll be right back. If having a beauty team on hand at High Point Market sounds too good to be true, you haven't stopped by Universal's To The Trade Designer Lounge. Next month at Market, a professional stylist will be on hand Saturday through Monday, helping designers look good and feel good with hair and makeup touch-ups. Refresh between appointments with a visit to Universal's Beauty Bar, located at 101 South Hamilton Street. And now, on with the show. Okay, so designers feel, and, and I obviously hear this all the time, right? The internet <laughs> is coming to, to take away their, their livelihood, and I totally get it. Yeah. And, and you can see how their business yeah. has been disrupted, yeah. and, and, and their clients uh, feel much more empowered, and, right? And there's all right. sorts of things that are, that are happening. Um, but you feel like this is a great thing. For the, yes. For the industry. For design, for, for the design. elevation of design. For the elevation of design, yes. In in our society. So the best thing about the internet right. is that it makes, it democratizes information. Mm. And this is true across the board. And that really is an amazing thing. Right. Amazing. So now people have information and access to things that you never had before. It is completely disruptive because Everything, our industry, the publishing industry, we're all built on people having limited access mm. to information. So people are clever. So you had all these industries built up around the fact that people don't have access to things. Even um, the whole distribution in the design industry was built around the fact that people don't have perfect information. Sure. So now all of a sudden. They do. They have perfect information. Yeah. I'm using perfect information a little sure, bit. Sure, um, but, but they have more access and understanding of it than they ever had before. Right. Right. So, okay. So, uh, the designers are right. The 100% of the industry that they've been a part of is going away. And actually, it's going to go away completely. Literally, completely away. That's the bad news. Right. Right? So Which sounds like pretty bad news. Yeah. If you're so, there. it is right. disruptive. Yeah. The industry that... But actually, the people who are going to win... Are, well, first of all, anybody who's going to change, but the designers are the ones who are going to win. Because what the internet's going to do is break down those inefficiencies. So those inefficiencies were uh, archaic means of limited access to product. Mm -hmm. But that's not what makes designers amazing, was access to product. Right. What makes designers amazing is their talent. Right. Their ability to see what the rest of us cannot see. Mm and to pull things together, and to do brave and amazing things with spaces, and to transform them, and definitely to manipulate product. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes these designers will come up with something, they're like, you know what, I'd like to do that product, but with a pink leather strip going through it, and you're like, okay. Okay. 
So we do, and then it looks unbelievable. But, and we're in the textile industry. Right. And we're like, hmm, that sounds yeah, not so would great. Not, would not have done that. But. So they can see things yeah. that the rest of us can sure. So that's why people come to them. Right. But I think the way it used to work was it was more about, you know, lack of transparency, access or not access to product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always about their talent. But, it, but it that was, was almost secondary, yes, right? I mean, yes, it, yes. yes. So, so I mean, it was yes. the, the so the value proposition has to change for designers, right? 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 And it, and we have to elevate their their skill and their talent and and what they can do that none of us can can do right. without them, right? Right? And that it's not about access to product because soon the access to product is going to be so complete that everyone is going to be able to. I mean, we're almost there now, right? right? I mean, to your point. But so, and then the the challenge, for, and then the other thing the internet did, which affected the vendor side, is it just t- completely took out, you know, basically all the middlemen, mm. which is a lot of business, a lot of businesses. Yeah. So now everybody can go. You can go directly to India. You can go directly to China. You can you can go directly to any of the sources. So there's you know hundreds of millions of dollars of business right that's just collapsed right. overnight. Yeah. So, but even for vendors, just like designers, for Merida, it's been the same thing. I'm like, no, no. Now is our time to do something really great. Because the market will reward you. If you're original mm-hmm. and you have talent and mm-hmm. you really have something unique, the market's going to reward you. Same thing like if a designer. If you're talented and you're going to do fantastic because you're not, it's not about access to product. Mm. So my view for Merida, be countercultural. If if the market's going cheaper, faster, disposable, we're going to go original, authentic. We're going to slow down when everybody's speeding up. We're going to take the time. With the idea that you're going to be able to sort of ride that notion out, that really it, it's not going to stay that way? I mean, no, my, the, the whole disposable notion, for example, counter that. I mean, it's... So, so my view on that is that that's going to be overwhelmingly there until people start to yearn for something more. Right. Okay, and so eventually they'll come back around. And I don't think notion. the whole market will, mm-hmm. but I almost think things have a life cycle. And, you know, it's almost uh, if you're thinking of food. Yes, I can eat processed food, and they are instantly gratifying, and they're right. readily available, and they're inexpensive. Or I can eat amazing, nutrient-rich, slow-cooked food mm-hmm. that may, may or may not be instantly satisfying, but over time it's immensely satisfying. So eventually people, not everybody, right. But a, a good portion of people start to say, I want something more. I don't want to eat potato to use that metaphor. I don't mm-hmm. want to eat potato chips for the mm-hmm. rest of my life. I want something more. And so the same thing will happen with cheaper, faster, disposable. At some point, people start to realize there's no soul here. Mm. There's nothing here. So I've I've my room looks pretty. Right. But then there's nothing here. There's no history. There's no culture. Mm-hmm. There's nothing deeper than the first glance right so and i think that you're and that's the same thing that's going to get people to come work with designers so people are also going to be able to design their own rooms instant rooms sure on the internet right right and so for designers to be to provide something unique it can't just be about providing a pretty room at the cheapest price it has to be about something more and so the people that are going to come are going to want things that are more meaningful, have history, have culture, have something behind them, certainly mm-hmm. are made well. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my belief on the other side of the rainbow. And the way to the way I look at the internet is what it does do, going back to this democratization, right. is it's exposing a massive amount of people to design mm. that before weren't exposed to it. 
like my daughter who's 12 she has this app it's like a um, design your room mm-hmm. it's amazing and she loves it. all her friends play but you know it's like just pulling product into a range in a room right but I'll tell you it's a but eventually they're all going to be much more interested in design mm-hmm. when they're 20 and 25 sure. than they would have been without these apps and without yeah. these programs so you have this huge opening of people who are going to be interested. And again, some people may never get past the cheaper, faster, disposable. Right. But a good portion of those people will. Because eventually they'll keep asking questions. All you need, I I keep telling everyone at Merida, all we need is curiosity. Mm -hmm. All we need is for people to slow down long enough to be curious, and they're in. Because once you start to dig into any, it's it's unbelievable. It's like the education of a lifetime. And it changes you. So because you think you've got such a wonderful story to, to tell about. Not just Merida, but design. Right. Design in general. Anybody who's spending, makers, like, you know, it's that exposure to things that I, I think the Internet's going to help us start to get to that next level um, by the, the whole democratization of design. I think that's our moment if we take it advantage right. of it. Right. Okay. So, so people are starting to get more and more educated about design and that will make them hunger for more substantial product and, and design is the is the hope yeah yes? or just they're on a path so if, right. if you're interested and curious yeah you're going to keep going that's my view on the my short view <laughs> on the internet but i think the first thing we have to do is stop lamenting the internet and just embrace it because it's only going to accelerate right so tell us about what you were doing before that's sort of given you this this mindset and this notion of things yes yeah, so i I've, I've been in consult prior to merit i was in consulting healthcare consulting then i went to graduate school in economics international relations naturally <laughs> right of course uh, this is the perfect makes, path makes total sense yes and uh sure it's just what you thought you'd be doing yes, with that economic exactly background and then, but then I, I joined a market research company based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and we studied technology. I started in emerging markets, hmm. and then I ended up running the company. So, and we were bought by the Economist. So our whole thing was this was back when cell phones were starting to transform. Right. Uh, and I remember going and talking to American Express and being like, "Listen, your entire business model is going to change. So you've you've got to realize like." You know, you've got to radically change how you're advertising. And they were like, oh, that'll never happen. People are never going to shop online. Right. And this was back in the late 90s. We were like, oh, trust me, it's, they're going to yeah. they're gonna be. Yeah. And everyone's like, no, no, no. So, you know, and then, of course, it's slow. It's always slow at the beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it just starts accelerating. Yeah. So, you know, I think in the design world, believe it or not, we're still at the slow stage. It's going to accelerate more and more and more. So you switch this model and you start going after designers, right? Right. And have you found sufficient success in this to, to feel Thankfully. like... Yes? Okay. <laughs> yes. So so you could say to the board, okay, this is, this is yes. working. Yes. This is a story that's worth telling. It's worth saying, hey, I think we can make a difference. I think we can make an impact in the, and be part of helping the industry transform. Yeah. Instead of just being a victim, we can kind of transform ourselves and get out there so um i mean it has absolutely been an odyssey it's been both way harder than i ever expected and a thousand times more fulfilling than i ever expected so both are true (laughs) well so and the and so tell me about the harder part so so what turned out to be much harder than you had imagined i mean you seem pretty smart you seem like you really thought this through i mean what what turned out to be even harder than you had. Uh, I think I underestimated where everybody was in this curve. Because mm-hmm. what happens first is the middle people get taken out. But where the designers are, 
they're still coming along, right? And so the so they're still kind of reacting to their clients saying, "Oh no, that's too much." So they're still kind Got of it. in the okay. cheaper, faster, more mm-hmm. disposable. Right. So, so I think I underestimated, kind of. I, I thought I thought we were all kind of at the same point. Okay. When in fact the 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 middlemen were going away immediately. Right. But the designers are still kind of coming along saying, well, my client doesn't want to spend that much money, so I'll buy the thing from China. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute. Don't they care? Don't they see where this is going? So I that gap was harder than I thought. Okay. The second piece of that is, which has actually been good but hard from a business perspective, is to really be original mm. is hard. It's, it's not hard to come up with new colors, come up with new patterns, but to really do something really original mm. is hard. And so I think that's taken us a while to, we've always had high quality products, they're always beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think I mistook that for original. Okay. And I think the market's kind of unrelenting in that regard. In a good way, so in terms of its demand for yeah, or if they think it's yeah, if they think yeah. it's not necessarily right. original, and they think there's something kind of similar they coming can out find of China, plenty of other places to get your then they're yeah. going to do that. How has this period that we're in now sort of changed? your distribution and how you have to, I mean, surely you can't just go out and keep calling on all these people right in their offices or, or maybe, maybe that is your model. I don't know. I mean, tell me how you, so you're in, you're in the New York design center, right? Just recently you've got this beautiful combined space with, with Brad Ford. Yes. Right. Yes. And that's, and that's brand new and, and, and beautiful. So that's a design center exposure. So yeah. people can come there and, and see your product. So in, in New York, are there other places where? No, no, that's a great, um, you, the, the question you have is really the million dollar question, which is right. it scalable, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the, I think what I'm excited about is I think we figured out from the design, manufacturing, craftsmanship side that it could be scalable. And so now the okay. challenge is in the marketplace. Right. How do you create something that's scalable? So our first steps um, were actually to open in Los Angeles. So we have kind of a store within a store mm-hmm. at Harbinger, Joe okay. Lucas, sure. who's amazing. Amazing. Um, and so we've been there a little over three years. Okay. And that was our first taste of like, wait a minute, this is fantastic. For people to have a, a, a place to come in and see things right. and work. And of course, Joe's spectacular. Right. Um, His pants alone worth coming. Exactly. Well, you know what I love of of all of them, a thousand things I love about Joe, but his like generosity of spirit is I'm like, okay, so that's part of getting to the other side of this for our industry. Exactly. And and may our ambassadors all be as as great as Joe Lucas that take us to the other side. Or certainly as fun too. Absolutely. (laughs) Then we're we're really going to be in good shape. Yeah. And then we opened in Boston in the design center. So we moved... Mm our kind of inside sales team and a showroom into the Boston Design Center, okay, um, which has also been uh, great. And then New York now with right. Brad right, uh, just opened in November. So, and already we're starting to see great. And I think that's the other piece for us is collaborating kind of not just with designers, but other like-minded vendors. And that's in, in, in a how, space where you're with right. other, other vendors that, yeah. Um, be more just because for the scalability. So same, you know, same thing with Brad. We're we're kind of both like, wait a minute, if we're like minded. Right. I was just in there earlier today. You know, designers come in like, oh, this makes total sense. Yeah. 
And that's what you want is for people to have multiple reasons to kind of come experience something different. I, I agree. And, and I'm, I'm so personally, I'm so excited about these collaborative spaces. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they just bring a whole new energy. And, and so, so Joe Lucas has done the same thing in New York, right? He's yes. opened his space with Fromental yeah. and Hector and Finch. And, you know, he's got a, there's a, just a wonderful energy yes. to, the, to the space. And there's, there's lots going on. Um, and I think that making these design centers so, so you mentioned Boston so Boston is is working hard right to cr- change the energy at the design yes. center and whether it's restaurants or bringing yeah. new people <laughs> yes. right yes. I mean whatever it is that you've got to do to sort of make it more exciting and energetic right. and, and more of a destination absolutely for, for people absolutely because that's that's part of the challenge so is does, does the internet play a big role for you are a lot of people coming online and interacting with your product or, or, or not really well, it's a, that's a it's a great question. Um, I would say t- to date, no. Okay. Um, I'd say social media has been mm. huge for us. Okay. For so that's sure. a way that you can connect. Yes. With, with people. So Pinterest, um, Instagram. Okay. Uh, both for sure. Maybe Facebook mm, to a lesser degree, but right. But in there. Okay. Where where I'm interested to figure out though, because you know at the moment we're still to the trade. And, and the reason we are is not because we're trying to be archaic, mm. but because everything's custom, you know, we're kind of like, right. it helps to have translators right. in the process. And again, I think that also we're trying to fortify the value of the design world. Um, you know, these designers are amazing. Yeah. So, you know, but also once you order a rug, there's no return when, because we make it for you. Right. So anyway, that's why we're working through designers but the the next thing for us with the internet is how do you start to to inspire educate sounds condescending which i don't mean it to be but inspire mm-hmm. the designers clients to want because every time and we've had small like we, we participate in field and supply which i think brad's done an amazing job which is an incredible show and we were so glad to finally get there this year yeah, and see it and amazing it amazing show. but that's mostly end users so we've had you know maybe right. we probably had 10 projects where end users went there came to their designers and said you know, we have to use merida because they saw us there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well the designers love that right so they're like this is perfect sure nothing makes them happier <laughs> right right than so a client i don't have coming. to go and sure. pitch like why we're using merida so i'm trying to think through how do you use the internet mm-hmm. effectively on to inspire to um, captivate kind of our clients clients well right and I mean and, and to your earlier point that's sort of what we need to do with designers in general as yeah. well right? yes. we need yes. to get people yes. very excited about yes. working with designers yes. because that's the that's the future for for all of us yes in, in this yes right yes a hundred percent okay so you're 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 behind all of that yes and you're, you're gonna help make that that happen yeah that's my next okay. uh, that's the next horizon can Merida get where it wants to ultimately get to just selling to designers or does that model expand in in time what do you what do you think um, it's a really good I, I would say our projections for the next five years are just focusing on the, to trade. Build the designer business again part mostly because we we kind of believe like you said the way we go and the way they go mm-hmm. so goes the whole yeah. industry yeah but i i envision in that five years a lot more interaction with end users um and again i don't know exactly probably having events right. um kind of field mm-hmm. and supply mm-hmm. type things yeah. so that you're kind of getting people 
interested and excited and we can get there yes for sure and if we were to ever do something directly to the end users we'd be it would be very transparent right like it would be this is the 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 intro line Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. this or right um but at least our plans at the moment are to stay um, selling to the trade. Again, mostly because they're cust- everything's custom ordered. Mm-hmm. So it's a big, it, it's hard to swallow if, uh, if you don't like the rug when you get it. Which, which is the big challenge, right, right, about selling to end users. And right. that's the challenge for the fabric houses, and that's right. the challenge for the rug right. companies, right, is they're, right. They're, they're afraid to sort of open it up right. because the end user is not going to fully understand and the rug's not going to come in the right size because they don't really understand how to properly measure it or, or, right, right. or all those that's issues. That's exactly right, 100%. Right. Well, and that to me is where I think we could all benefit from the Internet because people slowly buy things mm-hmm. that they can return. Mm-hmm. And so you, you gain confidence. Mm-hmm what things look like, what things don't look like. And so then when you work with a designer, I got we worked with a designer, Liz Kahn in Boston, who was amazing for my house. And she goes, you're way more interesting than your house. And she just <laughs> pushed us and pushed us and pushed us. Oh, so she pushed, pushed you us. to do things you weren't thinking And we were really. like, oh, good for her. You know, do you think that's a good idea? Okay. You know, and, but that's the absolute best situation. Right. Is right. We could not be happier could not be happier this is years now that we've been lit but and so that process was so helpful to me because i was like that's really a great situation when somebody's pushing you and pushing you so you've you know you've bought the restoration hardware you know you bought all these things for a while and you've gotten comfortable then you're like i want to figure out what's the next phase and that's where i think designers are at their absolute best when they're like Paint your ceiling bright yellow. Really? Okay. Well, it, 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 exactly. <laughs> which we did. And, which you did. <laughs> yes. And, and in the end, you loved it. It's amazing. It's literally amazing. But and we would never. You would never have done that on your own. Ever. Right. And that's, and that's the gift of working with designers. Yes. yes. Right? And, and if you believe in them and their, and their vision and you go along and they, they take you places you could never have gotten to. Absolutely. Own, right? Yes. And to your point about education, you, you learn so much. I mean, working with, with, with great designers, right? I mean, Absolutely. You learn so much about the process, but you also learn so much about the history and about why we're yes. setting the room this way. Yes. And what, right? Well, I was just um, in Fair and Merida. Uh, and Brad, the showroom at 200 yes. Lex, yes. And um, Brad introduced me to one of his clients who was in, and she said, this has been the best process because I've learned so much. And yeah. uh, and I thought that's, that's, that's a great process when your client is not just saying I have a beautiful house, which should be without, should go yeah. without saying. She was just like, the process has been amazing. I've learned so much. I feel like a different person. And then Brad was saying she has such a good eye. It was just just this lovely moment that I just happened to yeah, see. It, right. I'm sure it happens all the time, but you know, I just happened on this. So that to me is the beauty of where we could go and where this could go. Right, and 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 where this whole industry could could go. Yes, to your point. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and we can give people not just more beautiful homes, but actually richer lives. Right. 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 Let that be our mission. Yes. Right? Yes. Richer lives for everyone who is, is interested in, in the design industry and, and what it has to offer. Right. Let's leave it on that wildly optimistic note. Thank you. So, thank you so Thanks much for so coming much. in. My guest has been Catherine Connolly, the CEO of Merida. Thank you again for joining us. The show is Business of Home, and I'm Dennis Scully. If you like what you hear, please feel free to subscribe. Tell a friend about the show, and most of all, leave us a review on iTunes. 
Thank you again to our sponsor and our producers. You can find us at businessofhome.com or on Facebook or Instagram. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.